0: Hi, this is Brian Lane, lead pastor of FAM Church, and today we continue our series called This Means War. If you are a follower of Christ, you are engaged in a war whether you recognize it or not. In week five, we continue to explore the uniform, the armor that God has given us to fight on this battlefield, and so let's get ready to step out onto the battlefield. Well, good morning. Welcome to FAM Church again. And uh, we are continuing our series this morning called This Means War. And um, before we continue, though, I just want to give another huge shout-out to Pastor Lisa and all of our youth for last Sunday in our student ministry take over. And I'll be honest, I really look forward to stuff like that. One, because I don't have to speak on the Sunday morning, and that's always nice. But besides that... It's an awesome way for you guys, the adults here of the church, the adults here of the church, to watch teenagers who have been walking with the Lord far shorter than you have get up here and use their gifts and talents. And so you know what it lets you know? You can do it too. Amen? And so I always get excited about that, and it's just always exciting to see teenagers using their gifts and talents for the glory of God. And so it was just an awesome week, and so I just say thank you guys for last Sunday. Uh, It was a great week. All right, since it's been two weeks, since our last time we were in um, our uh, This Means War series, um, we probably forgot what part four was about, and so let's take a little flashback so that we can remember what we talked about before we press forward. And two weeks ago, we continued to dig in to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. And um, we started with the armor of God. And the first thing that we saw as we broke down this section of scripture is that God, when he says to put on the full armor of God, is not making some sort of suggestion for our life. He's not saying, well, you know, if you feel like putting on the armor of God, Well, you know, if you're in the mood to put on the armor of God, well, if you felt like putting on that heavy stuff today, then go ahead and do it. What we found was that God was actually making that a command. He's saying, look, every single day when you get up, before you walk out of your house, put on the armor of God. It's a command, and so that means when we get up and head about our day without putting on the armor of God, we are sinning and falling short of God's plan for our life. And there's a reason that God had commanded us to put on the full armor of God. It just wasn't so we had something more to do. We're commanded to do it because failing to do it makes us a soft and easy target for the enemies that are roaming around trying to take us down and take us out. Okay, it was what took place in the battle between Israel and the Amalekites. We discussed that in week two of our series. The Amalekites went after the soft edges of Israel's army to try and take them out. And Satan still uses the same plan, goes in the same direction, does the exact same things. He looks around the edge of our life for those soft spots and he attacks them. When we go out in the door in the morning without our armor on, we make ourselves a soft target. We leave ourselves vulnerable and open to attack. But it also speaks about our expectation. When we walk out the door without it, we're kind of expecting nothing to happen to us. But in in fact, the exact opposite takes place in that all kinds of crazy stuff usually happens to us when we step out our door without our armor on. So we need to stop doing that, expect the battle to come to us every single day, and put on our armor because it's a command. Then the last thing that we did was begin to explore the pieces of armor that were to put on and the first armor spoken of in this text is the belt of truth. And uh, the imagery that Paul had in his head when he was writing about this armor was kind of the the outfit, the uniform that the Roman soldiers wore at the time. And so uh, we broke down the, the Roman soldier's belt just to kind of see what it looked like, to see what that would apply to somebody's life spiritually. And what we saw was that belt kind of held everything together. On the back of the belt, there were clips that clipped into the back of the breastplate, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes, that held that firmly secure. There was a couple of hooks on there, one for his short dagger, another for his long Sword, and that hung on there. And then they carried these giant shields that we're going to talk about next week. And those shields had a spot to hang on the armor, because or on the belt. Because carrying those things, um, carrying that shield was really heavy. And so the, the the belt kind of held everything together for the Roman soldier. And so what we saw was the belt of truth holds the same importance in our life. It holds everything together. And this is important to us because these spiritual attacks that we are going to undergo is going to be Satan is going to lie to us. Satan is going to speak half-truths to us. Satan is going to do anything he can untruthful to get us to fall. We saw it in the beginning with Adam and Eve in the garden and Satan coming to Eve and, and he was challenging the words that God had spoken and he was twisting them and turning them around and that's exactly what he still does today. He tells us lies like God doesn't love us, that God doesn't care about us, and all those sins that God has told us to stay away from. It's just because He's preventing us from having a fun life. He lies to us and He says, You know what? You may think you're changed, you may think you're different, but you're the same person you were before you gave your life to Christ. You were a cheater before, you're still a cheater. You're easy, you're arrogant, you're prideful, you're sick, you're evil, you're dark, and so many other things. But see, what happens when we give our lives to Jesus is Jesus takes those names and he washes them off of our life and we don't have to answer them to them anymore. But too many people allow Satan to come in and speak those words and they answer to those names. The truth is, we don't have to. And if we have the truth fastened around our lives, those names, those old, that old person that we used to be speaking into our life, doesn't have, we don't have to answer to that anymore. When he calls you by those names, pick up this belt of truth and let Satan know God has given you a new name. You are free, you are changed, you are different, and you are new. And then we also lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves that we're not that important. We're not that spiritually powerful and we won't make a difference. And so we conclude from that that Satan doesn't need to bother bother with us. But we have to stop lying to ourselves about that as well because guess what? The New Testament makes it quite clear that when we give our lives to Jesus, we have the same power, we have the same authority, we have the same position as Jesus does. We are a son, we are a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And because of that, we have all authority and power that goes with it. That means that we are the light of the world. We are a child of God, and when we check out on that, when we check out on that power by making excuses, we miss out on the truth of God. We don't have a truth belt firmly fastened around our waist, and we set ourselves up to fall. Believe what God says about you. And that was two weeks ago. And so let's move on to today's message, and we're going to continue working our way through Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Uh, Two weeks ago, we got halfway through verse 14, um, but to refresh our memories, I'm going to read the whole uh, chapter 6, verse 10 through 18 once again, and uh, if you're not sure where the book of Ephesians is at, uh, we'll, we'll have it on the screen behind me for you to follow along, and this is what it says. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. People. So as I said, we left off in verse 14. So the next piece of armor mentioned in verse 14 that we're called to put on is the breastplate of righteousness. And uh, when you hear the word breastplate, I don't know what comes to your mind. All sorts of things come to my mind, but I think of like walking into a restaurant and you ask them what the special is and they tell you, well, it's the breastplate tonight, you know. Something like that comes to my mind. I really don't think of a piece of armor, but this, this thing that they were wearing was this big, shiny, piece of metal that they wore over their chest and their stomach and its primary purpose and function was to protect all of the vital organs in this area right here. It was a piece of metal, so it was strong, and it, it it could resist stabs. and And you know that one shot to your midsection, right here, with a knife or with a spear or with something like that, it can take you down. Just one shot. I was watching the movie uh, Black Panther. It came out on Netflix. I think that's a really good movie. I'm not gonna people complain. I thought that movie was awesome. Anyways, they they were fighting in this one on this this, I don't even know what it was, some sort of subway system. I don't know what else to call it. And They they had this thing that would cause their Black Panther suits to become ineffective, and that's how the real Black Panther beat the fake Black Panther by making his suit disappear and stabbing him right here uh, when he had his armor off. But that's what can happen to us, is is our armor can completely and totally, uh, not having something here can destroy us with one quick stab. And Rome wanted to protect their soldiers from that sort of fatal wound, and so this piece of metal was designed for that purpose, now the thing is is that this, this is not the first time in the Bible that the breastplate of righteousness or yeah the breastplate of righteousness is mentioned it 's actually mentioned in the Old Testament as well uh, In the book of Isaiah chapter 59 verse seventeen, and it says this there, and it 'll be on the screen behind me so you don 't have to find it. He God put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garment of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And so in this case, when we're being asked to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we're actually being asked to put on a piece of armor that God himself wears. And this is important here to understand what the piece this piece means, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Um, but this is something that's going to help us to win in the spiritual battle each and every single day. And, so, and so, um, so why does it help us? And so to answer that question, we have to look at what this breastplate is protecting, all right? It's protecting primarily our heart, right? I mean, that is the biggest, most vital organ we've got pretty much in our bodies. We've got our heart and we've got our brain. If any of those two get knocked out, we're done, okay? And so we've got to ask ourselves the question, well, what is the heart, And we all know the heart is the thing that pumps blood through our bodies and helps keep us alive. But as you explore the pages of the Bible, the heart is so much more than just an organ in our body that pumps blood. The Hebrew, in the Hebrew, the word of the word heart actually means the core. So it's something that um, biblically is at the core of who we are as people, and see, that's what the Bible uses to build on this definition of the heart, the core, the center of us. As we explore the pages, we see that our heart is pictured is the core of our emotions, the core of our intellect, the core of our spiritual and moral condition. It's the center of our mind, our will, and our emotions. Basically, who we are as a person flows out of our heart. You guys have maybe heard this, uh, this, these words spoken by Jesus. He says, out of the abundance of the... Abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And the reason Jesus says that is because everything that's contained in our heart comes out of us because it's the core, it's the center of everything that we are. And that means that this piece of armor is guarding our hearts, our center, our core, to keep unrighteous out of it by protecting it with a plate of righteousness. This means righteousness has to be at the center of who we are. So what is righteousness? The definition of the word is to be morally right or justified, to be free from guilt. And we have a small issue when we think about that definition because in reality, on this earth, us as people, we can never be righteous. We can never be righteous. We can never be morally right or justified because we live in a sinful state. However, there is one who can be morally right, who is morally right and justified, and his name is Jesus. And see, what happens is, when Jesus came to this earth and he died on that cross and he rose again, and we go to Jesus and we ask Jesus to take our life, when we give our life over to Jesus, when he comes in and is our Lord and Savior, what happens is, we don't become righteous. But Jesus, living on the inside of us, makes us righteous. See, what happens is God looks down upon us when we have started to follow Jesus, and instead of seeing our moral filth, our moral failure, he sees Jesus and Jesus' righteousness, and so we are declared righteous because of Jesus. And so do you get the connection now between God putting on a breastplate of righteousness and our breastplate of righteousness? See, they are both given from God. It's not something that we can do on our own. We don't become morally right, but because of Jesus, God looks at us as if we are. Jesus is righteous, justified, and free from guilt or sin. And because Jesus is who we follow, God sees Jesus' as righteousness instead of our own. And so to boil this down into non theological language, basically all this means is Jesus has to be at the center of who we are to make us righteous. We need our life centered on Jesus. And if any of you have spent any time digging into the core values of FAM Church, one of our values is that we are a church, we are a people who centers our lives on and in Jesus. And so what does that look like It just means that we're asking ourselves, we're looking at our life in every situation and circumstance that we are in, and we are asking ourselves the question, what about Jesus in this? It doesn't matter what you are facing, where you are standing, the things that you are going through, you gotta look at them and you've gotta ask yourself each and every single day, what would Jesus do in this situation? What would Jesus say in this situation? How would Jesus act in this situation? That's how we get Jesus at the center of who we are to have a firm and solid piece of righteousness as our breastplate, protecting our heart and protecting our vital, organs from a fatal wound from Satan. And some of you may be thinking, well, you know what, I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't have affairs and I don't steal stuff and so everything is pretty much okay, I've got my life centered on Jesus. That is not how it works. It's about your whole life, every single piece and part of your life being centered on Jesus. Jesus. It's about asking Jesus or going to Jesus in regards to your spare time, in regards to the money God has made you stewards over. It's about what Jesus is asking you to do. It's about taking every little piece of your life and saying, Jesus, is this what you want? Jesus, is this where you have me centering my life? Is this what you are calling me to do? And when we get that, it's when we get our life centered on Jesus, and Satan knows that if he can get us believing that as long as I'm not having an affair or stealing money from people, my righteousness is solid, guess what? You are ripe for a takedown. We will not be able to successfully defend our hearts, defend our core, our mind, our will, and our emotions from the temptation to sin if we are not putting Jesus in the center of each and every area of our life. See, each and every single day, we need to make the decision in our life to put on this breastplate of righteousness and make God decisions, make Jesus decisions in our life. Even small lapses in this can leave us vulnerable. They leave gaps in our armor, and those gaps, no matter how small, can leave us vulnerable. In the book of 1 Kings, in the Old Testament, the king of Judah went to war with, with the king of Israel against the king of Aram. In the battle, this is what happened. I'm just going to read verse 34 from 1 Kings chapter 22. Once again, it'll be up on the screen behind me so you don't have to turn there. It says, But someone drew his bow at random and hit the king of Israel between the sections of his armor. The king told his chariot driver, wheel around to get me out of the fighting. I've been wounded. See, the king had his armor on, but the king had gaps in his armor that he was failing to protect. And many believers have gaps in their breastplate of righteousness because we do not take this righteousness seriously or we kind of limit what righteousness means and how it applies to our life and thinking of the big sins. And so when sin and temptation comes at us in all its forms, even in good forms, we've got to understand that sometimes good things come to us and God is tempting us. Do you want to choose that good thing or do you want to choose the better thing, which is me? And we have to realize that because those things create gaps in our lives as well. They create gaps in our armor. And if we do not, are not in the right place, if we have not given our righteousness to Jesus and allowing him to speak in every area of our life, we're going to leave gaps. They're going to leave us vulnerable to attacks of the enemy. We need to put on the breastplate and put Jesus at the center of who we are. All right, the next piece of armor that God has given us, and this one is for our feet. We are to fit our feet with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so. Let me paint a picture for you of the, the shoes that the Roman soldiers wore out into combat. And they kind of went from their knees all the way down to their feet. They had the top piece, which was called the greaves, and it started at the knees. It was a piece of leather that went down like this, wrapped around their legs to cover their, their, uh, their, their calves and their, uh, their, their shins uh, to protect them, even from just marching through thickets and thorns from their legs getting scratched up and getting uh, infections and stuff like that. But it protected their lower legs. Then on their feet, they had these shoes these sandals and they had a really hard bottom on them and uh, what they would do is they would take and they would put rocks, they would put glass, they would put shards of metal in the bottom of their shoes. Why would they do that? It was designed to help hold them in place. It was kind of like cleats on a sports field. They were sharp. They were there to help hold the Roman soldier in place because, see, during that time, battles, when they were fought, usually the person with the larger army and the army that had the better traction and footing was the army that would win the fight. Nowadays, you know, we could send, like, uh, you know, 10,000 American soldiers and take out an army of 100,000 because of the technology and the weapons that we've got. But back then, it was sheer mass of people and actually the footing that the sheer mass of people could get to fight and defend their territory. And so these shoes... These, these things, these, 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 all the stuff on the bottom of the Roman soldier's shoes gave them the ability to plant their feet in the ground so that when the enemy came at them and attacked them, they could stand and hold their position while the enemies you know, came chopping at them. And so when, when, when they were able to hold their position, it made it much easier to fend off because if you went to the ground and you were in the middle of the battle, you would probably end up dead if you were laying on the ground. So this piece of armor does the same thing in the life of a believer. See, the gospel is the foundation of our walk with Jesus. The gospel message says this. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die so that we could be forgiven and all we have to do is ask for that forgiveness and it's ours. God loves us unconditionally. There's nothing that we can do to change that. Unfortunately, What so many people do today, though, is this. We believe that statement as long as our life goes the way we want it to. But let anything get off course in our lives and we instantly doubt the belief that God loves us, our footing is shaken, our footing is loosened, and our feet are able to be moved. And i got to tell you, for many people, this is how Satan will come at you. He will attack you with different sorts of craziness in your life. And if you've read the book of Job in the Old Testament, you can see this happening exactly to Job. Satan goes and stands before God and... and uh, what's God says, what are you doing? Satan, he's like roaming the earth, looking around, hanging out. And uh, God says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? He's awesome, he's great, he's wonderful. And Satan said, well, let me take everything from him and see if he's still wonderful and loves you that much. It was a test of Job's footing. It was a test to see if Job was gonna be able to stand strong when the enemy came in and attacked him. And in a matter of a day, Job lost All of his money, all of his houses, all of his family, all of his servants, all of his livestock. And that wasn't enough, and so he got a terrible disease on top of it. Literally, in a short period of time, Job lost everything. You think you've had a bad week? I don't know if any of us have had a week that bad before. So... Sorry, this thing sped through everything. So the reason that Satan attacked Job like that, the reason that Satan went after Job's car, his money, his business, his family, his house, and his health is because nothing can shake a person's faith like those things coming apart. It's because we equate everything going the way we want it to with God loving us, with believing everything about salvation. God loves us. He cares for us. His love is unconditional as long as I have things go my way in life. But when things start to not go my way, our footing shakes, the sandals give way. And I have known so many believers that have lost this battle. They have walked away from the love of God. They've removed their sandals and allowed the enemy to overwhelm them and crush them. And Satan knows that we are so vulnerable to this. And so he will do whatever he can to shake our footing and get our footing moved. And you have to believe in the truth of who God is, that he loves you beyond any any of your wildest dreams or comprehension, so don't let those things stake you, shake you. Instead, stand firm on the gospel message that says God loves you more than you can comprehend uh, because Satan is going to attack all of us in the same way that he attacked Job, and we can't let that shake us. But even more than that happening, we can't live in fear of that happening. Too many believers live in fear of everything going wrong every single day. They're afraid that when they walk out of their house, when their family walks out of their house, that everything's gonna fall apart. We fear losing our jobs. We fear our kids getting bad grades. We fear a family member dying. We fear financial problems. We fear sickness and disease. We fear terrorists, school shooters, drunk drivers, being murdered in our sleep, all right? We fear being attacked by Russia or North Korea. We fear, we fear, we fear, and we fear some more. And what happens when we're afraid? We hide. See, God has not called us to hide in fear. God has not called us to spend our time and resources protecting ourselves from losing our job. Something bad happening to our kids or family or our finances. Because we're protecting ourselves from the wrong thing. I mean, think about Job. What if Job had spent all of his time protecting himself? and his family from all of these things that took place, what would have happened? Maybe he would have saved some livestock. Maybe he would have saved one of his kids or a couple of his kids. Who knows? Could have saved a house, maybe. I don't know. He could have maybe possibly saved some stuff, but his faith would have fallen apart. It would have wrecked him It would have destroyed him and we wouldn't have this story, these events from the book of Job taking place of a man putting on the sandals of the gospel of peace and standing firm and standing solid and standing in place when life around him was falling apart. Because what happens then is it goes back to our breastplate of righteousness. If our feet are not firmly in place, then suddenly we don't have Jesus at the center anymore. Jesus is not our righteousness either, and we become super vulnerable to attack. Man, we need to put on these shoes. We need to stand ready in the belief That Jesus loves us more than we can comprehend, understand, know, or anything, and that no matter what life throws at us, no matter the challenges and the troubles and the trials that we face, that God is there, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he's got a plan and a purpose for you and your life, and nothing can change that. That's what we have to have faith in. Regardless of what we lose, we have to have faith that God is in control, and he knows what he's doing. And when we have that, when that's in our heart, when that's in our mind, we can stand strong. We can plant our feet. We can have this breastplate of righteousness on. And as the battle comes at us, we will not be moved. We will not be shaken. We will not move from place because we have our feet firmly secured with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so this morning, we need to put on this breastplate of righteousness. We need to put on this, this, uh, this righteousness of Jesus by centering our lives, by putting our lives firmly in the center of Jesus' plans and purpose. And then we need to put on the assurance that God has a plan and a purpose for us and nothing is going to move us Nothing is going to shake us. And when we have those two pieces of armor in place, along with our belt of truth and the rest of the pieces we're going to talk about, we're going to be able to stand strong in the spiritual battle and the spiritual war that we find ourselves in. We're going to find ourselves being able to stand up against the flaming arrows and missiles and sword attacks and everything else that the enemy is going to bring against us. And so let's put on our breastplate, let's put on our sandals of peace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we need our breastplate of righteousness in place. Father, we need the sandals of the gospel of peace in place. In our lives, Lord God, so that we can stand up against everything that the enemy is going to try and throw at us. He's going to try and tell us that we're not righteous. But God, your word says that through Jesus, we are righteous. We just need to center ourselves on him. And so God, help to make that a passion of each and every single one of us that we're passionate about centering our lives in you and then God help us to put these sandals of the gospel on our feet to stand firm to stand strong to not let the crazy the trials the tribulations the insane stuff that comes at us in our life move us from that sure foundation that God loves us and has a plan for our life help us to stand firm in your presence, help us to stand firm in your power, oh God. We thank you. It's in Jesus' holy and mighty name that we pray, God. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the FAM Church podcast. FAM Church is here to connect people to Christ. If you live in or are visiting the Lakeland, Florida area, we would love for you to join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m., You can also check us out online at myfamchurch.com. Thank you again and have an amazing day.